The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the entire planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. I am Red Eye Radio. Oh, okay. He just entered the studio. We are Red Eye Radio. <laughs> I'm Gary McNamara. You can be Red Eye Radio. I'm <laughs> fine to go home right now if you he's, he's need Eric to Carlin. be Red Eye Radio. You can be Red Eye Radio. You can be whatever no. you want, Gary. No, you got on my case whatever last you, week when why? I happened to be a tiny Brit. A tiny Brit. I, I, a tiny. What was it you said? Right, so I took a shot you, during the break. You people, <laughs> you people, you people make me sick. Oh, you, you people! You got on my case you last people. week when I was a little bit <laughs> late and and not slurring my words. <laughs> Stumbling in at four a.m. Well, you know something where yeah. I where I grew up, yeah. The bars were just closing now. Yeah. <laughs> the bars closed at 4 a.m. Well, wow. actually, wow. no, no, no. <laughs> they stopped They stopped serving alcohol at 4. You could keep the bottle in your hand till 4.30. When I was a club DJ. And what time did they close the doors? I had to be up by 4.30, really. Okay. So, yeah. The bottle was... When, <laughs> when you're done drinking... You're done. I <laughs> know, but at 4.30, you had to be done and, and, and out at that point. What time did the band stop? Uh, the bands used to go, the bands would go three, uh, well, unless it was like, because I worked where I was really the club DJ. You know, well, I was a club DJ at a couple of clubs, and you spun tunes until 4 o'clock. Mm. Uh, but when uh, I worked at places that had bands, when I worked at, when I worked at Stage 1, outside of Buffalo, New York, that used to be owned by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, how'd you get that job? <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to go there. I, I almost no. went full Keith Morrison on the, well, <laughs> that was, how'd that you was, get that job? That, that was in the, that was in the, uh, uh, let me see, that would have been 79, 80, I think. 
trying to think, 70, 78, 79, 80 that I, that I worked there. I heard that was a bad investment, that he really took a bath on that one. <laughs> I think he made money on that one. That, that, that was when he was the rock promoter. And he actually had that club. He had that club, and then he had a place called the Century Theater that, that had about uh, that he booked for the Century Theater, like 2,000 2, uh, people. I don't know if he owned that, though. He owned Stage 1. Okay. When I worked there. I never saw him there. Mm-hmm. Well, people said he was in there. I never recognized him. All right. So I was, I'd was i be sitting there going, oh, yeah, you know, Weinstein was just in. I'm like, he was? I don't know what he looks like. So I just didn't know. You knew him because he was part of the he, uh, Harvey and Corky is what they were called. Harvey and Corky's uh, stage one it was called, but it was. Um, uh, that Harvey was. That, and Corky. Harvey and Corky. They were the promoters. That I mean, wasn't they brought a children's in, show? No. I remember when no. they brought. I remember when they brought in. Frank Sinatra. No. I to that nightclub? No. 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 They, brought, they, they were promoters. They booked whoever they could book, but they had at, at two clubs that they also venues. had. Yeah, but, okay. yeah, but they, I think one, I thought they, they were, I think they were owners of the Century Theater and also Stage One, but they didn't own the, they didn't own the big auditorium there. But I can still remember, because I was still working at the bank, and I remember sitting there and walking down the street, and all these limos were headed towards, I was heading to the butt stop, to you know, take my bus home, and all these limos were dry, were coming by, and it was Frank Sinatra, you know, in one mm-hmm. of the limos. I didn't know, but it was it was almost as if it was the president of the United States. Uh, no, but uh, we, except with better protection. Yes. Dooby dooby doo. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but so bars would stay open. If if you had if there was like a big band there they'd be done by one o'clock or or one thirty if it was like because like the the police played our club like the week that they Roxanne, the band not the actual cops the actual right exactly the, like the week that police came the police came out remember the vapors turning Japanese yeah I remember they played I remember that night nobody knew any songs. Well, just the one. And like right? ha- halfway through, they played Turning Japanese. Everybody went nuts. And then the band's still playing, and everybody, by the time like, they were done, go back everybody's gone. It was the only song that they knew. Yeah, yeah. You always save your only song for last. Uh, but uh, if it was just a local band, they would play three sets. They'd come on at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, mm. you know, play 45 minutes, take a half-hour break, play 45 minutes, take a half-hour break, play 45 minutes. Take a half hour break, do an encore. So many times between two thirty and three, uh, the bands would, you know, that's when they would stop. So it was late. That's why today, what I look for, because a lot of the bands that, you know, I remember probably fifteen years ago, even when a lot of the bands that I liked, you know, did a reunion and you know the local bands mm-hmm. was like they're starting at seven o'clock and ending at nine. It's like yeah, I like this a lot better. Well, I was going to say when I played. Uh, opening would be, opening act would be eight at a club. Mm-hmm. And if there was an opening act, if it was a feature band, they would do two sets and the first would be at nine-ish and then they would do a late set. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we were... I remember 
Yeah, I, I remember at times the uh, the Continental, which was like the CBGBs of of, uh, of Buffalo, and they would be open. I mean, the bands would be ending at three forty five. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. And then it's yeah. like, okay, last call. They want the bands to end at 345 in the morning. Think about that. Yeah, right. I remember w- w- being the club DJ, and and we would, you know, by 430, we'd leave. Mm. And we'd, I'll never forget, we used to, myself and a few of the bouncers would sit out in the parking lot on the hoods of our cars and just talk and watch the sun come up. Yeah. And we go home. It's like, so this job... We get a couple of bands to play in here and bring in some alcohol. I'll be doing the same thing. Just yeah. 40 years later, 43, 44, 45 years later. We used so. to sit and listen to music actually on the Rio Grande. And wow. you could we would sit in Del Rio. And uh, I remember one night the song Cars by Gary Newman. That was a big. That was oh, a big a huge song. song. And I was so sick of it. But we would. I mean, literally. I mean, we didn't go there for that. We were just hanging out, right? Uh, but but illegal immigrants would be coming across the river, and you know, just walking along the road that we were on. You know, we were just hanging out, listening to music, really doing nothing. And then some in that group decided to become. Border Patrol agents later. <laughs> uh, I I don't think Raul Ortiz was in that group of kids with us at that time. But, of course, he went on to be chief, now retired. Uh, but uh, When's he going to be doing an interview? Boy, I, we just got, we just got to, cause I, I thought, haven't. You know, we've been, uh, some of the other guys uh, in our group have been, looking to reach out to him to invite him out to a reunion. We haven't been able to schedule a reunion uh, because a couple of the guys are going through some things. And, and um, Raul has been, of course, very busy. 
but we're trying to get him to come to one of our reunions uh, now that he's retired uh, to, uh, you know, to hang out and enjoy himself. Um, but I have not reached out to him, but I'm, I'm guessing, I was wondering just yesterday where he might end up. Now, he's from Del Rio. He was uh, born and raised in Del Rio, and I'm guessing he'll end up in Texas, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, and I don't know, he, he probably has so many private sector offers right now that I don't know, you know, because if, let's say you're going to be on the board of directors, right? Um, uh, for instance, the former chief of police in Dallas is now working for a huge law firm here in Dallas. He's retired from law enforcement, but he's gone into the private sector. If, if you take on that private sector role, and I don't know if Raul Ortiz will do this. I have no indication either way. But if you, often if you do that, you, you probably wouldn't do the interview or write the, the book. You know, his predecessor, his boss, when he resigned, you know, that, that um, uh, video uh, that, that he put out when he was on his way out the door uh, gained a lot of attention. So it could be, I mean, it could be that he sits down for an interview uh, with someone. He's, he may already have that planned. If you're going into the private sector, sometimes you hold back on stuff like that and you just quietly go into the private sector and mm-hmm. and do whatever you're going to do. He might just be retired and go fishing for a year. I, I don't know. I don't know. Haven't heard back from him. Uh, a couple of the guys have reached out to him directly. I have not, but uh, I I am curious. Well, I just wondered, I mean, after you see Mayorkas' performance yesterday, and he used oh. to work for Mayorkas, that's the first thing I, I, I thought of was Raul, you know, your friend. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and him, and I was like, did he retire officially yet? Because then I woke up this morning and saw, you know, former Border Patrol official criticizes Mayorkas, and I went, ooh. That's and Raul. And it wasn't. Yeah, I thought it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, so right, I, I right. just started thinking about him and just went, I wonder if he is you know, going to come forward because what Mayorkas said so outrageous yesterday. I mean, yeah. that's like when when he was asked, you know, about California sanctuary city laws and claimed ignorance that he knew nothing on it was like, come on. I mean, it's and, and we're to the point now you think about it with Mayorkas, mm-hmm. you think about Mayorkas, Corrine Jean-Pierre, mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. The line is so is so in your face. It's almost, you know, it's not just line. It's almost a Haunting line. You get you ever yeah, get the, yeah, that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's no, not it just line. It's like we're gonna we're taunting you by yeah. by line. Right. We're showing you that we can lie with impunity. I'm gonna go to a new level of lying and dare you to call me on it. And even if you call me on it, I'm gonna scoff at you with my yeah. smirks. Um. Yeah. I. You know that has to be frustrating. Raul was very vocal. Um. During the Trump years. Uh. You know the night. I forget which year it was, but it was the night that then President Trump, uh, during a State of the Union, recognized uh, Rush Limbaugh. Raul was sitting directly behind Rush. I remember that. And I, you know, I thought to myself, you know, because I think about the moments of, and he had been on Fox News quite a bit. Raul had been, uh, and in fact, Laura Ingram had made, when he was sector chief, had made lots uh, in Del Rio. Lots of uh, trips down there, and and uh, they had covered the border crisis uh, extensively, as they, as they have at, at Fox News. 
And he was part of that uh, as sector chief, um, you know, kind of showing them, showing the media uh, what was going on. And he was very clear about it, uh, about, you know, all of the issues that they face. I can't imagine that job, you know. Um, it, it, it just has to seem forget like you're about spinning the, wheels. Forget you know? about the job, the mm. job under Mayorkas. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. No, no. That's really where I was headed. By the time you get to D.C. as, as chief, deputy chief first and then uh, promoted to, to chief, your hands are tied. And you're basically serving under someone who does not care about enforcing the border. In fact, quite the opposite. And that has to be especially the, the, the daily job itself is tough. And then have your hands tied by management at the, at the very top has to be insanely frustrating. I can only imagine. I've, and, I've, and it's, you know, something it's, it, you can sit there and say, okay, I know this is an incoming administration that does not want to secure the border. Mm-hmm. And if they were blunt about what they were doing and honest about what they were doing, that would be one thing. I right. know, right. I, I know that anybody of integrity has to be absolutely livid if you work beneath someone. Because it's happened to me in business before when you work under a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nothing is worse than your boss being a pathological liar. Because even though it's unfair, uh, that, <laughs> tr- that trickle-down pathological line does part of it sticks to your reputation. Yeah. As unfair as it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm no, not saying in, what, for Raul it does, but I you... Think, I think it does. I don't know for sure yeah. if it does, well, but, but I, I think it, it, but it does, blemishes his It, it does to you. Yeah. Right. As an individual, it yeah. does to you. So it yeah. did to me. I viewed it as helping to destroy my reputation because my boss was the pathological liar. Right. I don't think any different of Raul, even if I didn't know him personally. Uh, I don't think of any any different of the the agents that are on the ground. It's just that I see it as there's no way that it's not going to blemish your reputation. You know, it, with with Mayorkas and Biden and and their agenda. Eight six six ninety red eye. The summer of twenty three. It is going to be. One of the very warmest that we've ever seen. Agriculture Department meteorologist Brad Rippey, perhaps the word warmest is an understatement. Temperatures across the globe deadly hot. Many of those who work outdoors a lot are at risk from heat stress and stroke. And for those not used to that kind of heat. You can't just go out and work a full day the very first day in the heat. You kind of have to let your body build up to that. Ohio State University Health and Safety Professor D. Jepson says just deciding on day one to get all those jobs done around the place not a good idea, and here's why. Looking at heat-related deaths among farmers and other outdoor workers. Half of the deaths that happen to workers will happen on their very first day of the job. 70% occur within the workers' first week. So D. Jepson says, take it easy in the heat. Just do a little work at a time out there and be kind to yourself with... Rest, water, and shade. And lots of it. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel.
and Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, projecting out as to what's going to uh, happen now, you know, you've got, you know, whatever happens today, whatever the Republicans do today, but right now, I mean, with the Hunter plea deal uh, falling apart, you've got a month before they go back again. And who knows? The judge may look at it and, and rubber stamp the next one without the immunity deal. You know, we just, we don't know. Uh, the interesting thing is, she never read everything that the Ways and Means Committee sent to her. She didn't read it. And, you know, she only discovered the part of the immunity deal inside the diversion. Right. That she was apparently not happy with at all right before she went into the courtroom. Yeah. I saw that on yesterday. It's like she just so. We have no idea what's going to happen. I really, you know, again, this is why you just don't try to to predict what's going to happen, because my gut feeling told me I figured she's going to rubber stamp it and it's over with because I knew the Joe Biden thing wasn't going to be over with. I think that the Democrats thinking that if Hunter Biden has immunity from prosecution, you know, or got that that sweetheart deal that they couldn't go after Joe. Hmm. I don't know how wrong that could be. Uh but uh, or I, when I said I believe that was wrong yeah. and, and very wrong, yeah. the Republicans yeah. would still yeah. continue and right. just say, well, this is a sweetheart deal because the American public already believes it. And that's what what helps to drive this is what the American people believe. Yeah. When you have the political will of the people behind you, uh, that's everything in something like this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about because I don't think a lot of people have talked about. The Devin Archer testimony and what this could do to the president next week. We'll get to that next. Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Earlier in the show, we went through, uh, you know, the, the the possibilities and and just what's uh, going on in the in the uh, indictments against Trump and the new charges. Mm. Now it's time to look at Biden. Uh, I think that the Democrats have to be panicking. Big time behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, what you have coming up on Monday with Devin Archer, and you're talking about uh, a former board member uh, on uh, the Burisma board mm. and a business partner of Hunter Biden. Right. Who knows? I guess you could say probably knows where the bodies are buried. Yep. Sure. But from what we know, and it has not been refuted, he plans on telling investigators, you know, for 
uh, the uh, House Ways and Means Committee. He plans on uh, telling them that Joe Biden was on the phone at least 24 different times with those people who ended up giving the Bidens tens of millions of dollars. Hmm. So when you just generically say it's going to be you know, 24 report, you know, uh, uh, you know, 24 times, they're going to find out if you know the 24 times, then you know the people that he was on with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have just, and th- and that's why I was just, I'm shaking my head yesterday. And even when I heard Kareem Jean-Pierre, you know, uh, uh, today and the talk about, no, we've been consistent. We've been consistent. He's never done business. He's never done business. Well, you know, the, the uh, he never knew anything about his son's business dealings and never asked his son about the business dealings. We knew that was a lie that lasted years, mm. even though there was evidence that showed that it was not the case. This new turn may fall apart less than a week after Kareem Jean-Pierre threw it out, that he never did business. Right. Because... Just reading here from Jonathan Turley, the laptop includes pictures and appointments of Hunter's foreign business associates with Joe Biden. And uh, then and and so, you know, you look at it right there. So they've got that. They've got now Devin Archer. They've got Bob Yulinski. Yeah. Who else will testify? Schwerin? I don't know. Who else is going to testify? I don't know. We're the the thing is, all we do is we get piecemeal week after week after week, month after month after month. You put the entire picture together, and you say, "Okay, how far have you connected the dots?" If you've got the laptops with which includes pictures and appointments of Hunter's foreign business associates with Joe Biden. You've got sworn testimony from his business partners that Joe was a part of it and got 10%. Yeah. You know, you, right. you and in some cases, maybe it's more than 10%. Who knows? But really, the the one, I think, false thing that, that Democrats are relying on is, okay, they haven't, they haven't got the money line directly to Joe Biden. They don't need to. No, it's if it goes to his family yeah. and there was any consideration in return for that money, any actions whatsoever or consideration at what, when he was vice president or as now president, because we don't know that. Because right now we don't know what the ask is. We know some of it with Burisma. We've learned that in recent weeks. Some of the... And and I guess we've really kind of known that going back to the, you know, uh, during the Trump years, as we were learning about the the whole thing, and as the Burisma thing came to the surface. However, it's kind of an open ended question as to what all could be involved in that consideration, and could it include his time as president, not just vice president? So, you've got 
the laptop with pictures and appointments of Hunter's Foreign Business Associates with Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many they have. Right. You're going to have a witness, former Burisma board member, business associate with Hunter Biden, that's going to say Joe Biden was put on the phone many times mm-hmm. with these people who gave Hunter Biden and allegedly the nine, you know, money funneled to the nine different Biden family members that Joe Biden was a, a part of it. You have the, the uh, recording of Joe Biden discussing a New York Times report in December of 18 detailing Hunter's dealings with the head of the Chinese energy company. Yeah. So we know that. So he's talking to him about that doesn't just show knowledge. That shows interest in, you know, in in discussing it. Plus, he's actually talking to these business people. All you need, and and I don't know what's going to come out on Monday. We know the generalities of it. But when you start putting names and companies and positions of power of these people in their countries with their government and then things that the United States was doing Mm -hmm. and then you get more of the money trap well you get that next week and that's going to be huge because what that does is that destroys the argument now that he never did business yeah now what you're going to hear i believe and i don't know what the time frame is expect it to evolve again that joe biden never did any illegal business with his son Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And so you yeah. keep yeah. moving, the goalposts yeah. keep right. moving right. and moving yeah. and moving. Any business well, that he did with his son was uh, on the up and up. It was legal. He didn't know anything about anything else. And Hunter may have done that in his. And we said this was probably going to evolve to the point of them saying, listen, the guy was on crack. So he did a lot of things and probably promised a lot of things. And you can't prove well, if Devin Archer comes out and says Biden was on the phone call a number of times, oh, that changes. And here's the other thing. You pair that with the president of Burisma reportedly recording phone calls. If you get him to testify, and nobody has talked about that no. at all. No, they haven't. That's a, such a huge deal, and and why no one has brought that because and he I'm, has said and he has said nothing publicly, nothing, nothing, nothing on it, nothing. But no, you haven't heard. No, I have. And believe me, you know as well as I do, every single liberal media outlet in the United States is trying to get him to say no. Everything that they're talking about is not true. Well, that or are they waiting in the wings, going? We don't want to approach this and say it's not true because those recordings could drop at any moment. If yeah. those recordings still exist, and how do they not in a in an NSA world? And we we ask that question. We ask that question too. How does that not exist in an NSA world where you monitor where they're always monitoring? Yeah. Where we're basically told that any call overseas is somewhere. Right. It, you may not. It it may not be. It may not be the fact that. You know, they've identified it and t- 
tagged it and pulled it, right. but it's somewhere. Well, and I mean, look, uh, we were, you and I were joking about, uh, you know, or, or talking about people drinking on planes and, and alcohol and everything else. There's no doubt that later on today when I go home, Google on my phone is going to be throwing down some alcohol-related ads. I mean, your devices listen to everything. So if there are phone calls that were actually deliberately recorded by one party, and that's what we're told, the president of Burisma recorded the phone calls, they have to still exist somewhere. And I have to believe that the liberal media is holding back on this, ignoring this, until things They'll only address what what surfaces as it surfaces. Because if you go out on the limb, look, the view can do, the, that can just be the view. No one cares about what they're doing. Nobody clares, clares. <laughs> cares that's about a, Claire McCaskill. That's, that's a, that's All right. Interesting. All right. No, nobody clares. I've no done one five, clares. I've done five shots. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's the thing, though. No, if you get into the actual media, you know the Washington Post finally addressed it, right? They're mm-hmm. they've been they've been silent, silent, silent. Um, <laughs> democracy dies in silence. Um, <laughs> but all of this, your approach can only be: we'll address it as it comes out, because I think that's the official approach, or unofficial approach, actually. Uh, that's the approach of officials in the party, the Democrats who have been around for a while. I've been saying this for a while. You don't know what Devin Archer's going to say. They didn't know about the 1023. Look, <laughs> the FBI director didn't even know that Oversight had seen the FD 1023 no. until they told him. And then all of a sudden he says, oh, yeah, you mean that 1023. And he makes it available. And then all of a sudden the American people are able to see it as it's released. I honestly stick by this theory that they don't know what's what's to come. That's why they're only going to comment and react. That's why Jean-Pierre is changing the goalpost as it goes. She's just going to change her answers as the situation evolves. When you take, I think this is really important because you and I follow this every single day. We've been following it every single day since, like everybody else, since 2020. But we've been following it you know, in depth every single day Mm -hmm. and every single day. We know that part of the part of the problem in our society is in news. Sometimes we live in the bubble of today and ignore what happened. When you take the totality of everything from the laptop to the witnesses to the and we don't know what 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 the witnesses are, are. All of them are going to say to the electronic uh, uh, transfers to the SARS reports, you know, from the the, the, the the banking records. You take that in its totality and the fear it, this isn't a this isn't about uh Joe Biden going to jail. Right. What this is about is destroying the presidency and showing that everybody was involved in covering it up. That's really the value to the Republicans out there. Right, yeah. But when you take it, not in everyday bits, where, for example, a Claire McCaskill came out and, you know, as we played it before, said, well, all they're doing is they're going after a loving father, a father who loves his drug addict son. And that's what it's about mm-hmm. here. Well, mm-hmm. everybody knows that's a load of horse manure. Mm-hmm. But if that's the best that she can do, it shows you she's completely lost 
that she cannot touch any of the allegations so far based on the evidence that exists because there's a ton of evidence out there right now and nobody has put it together in a massive you know marketing or hearing where everything comes out basically in the time the same time span in one hearing one investigation one impeachment inquiry what whatever i mean because that's a possibility Mm -hmm. where you lay it all out and yeah, we don't yeah. know. We may only know 60% of yeah, what's out there right. or 70% of what's out there. And that other 30% completes all the dots. And I don't know politically how Biden survives it. I don't know how I, he I, survives it. I, at this point, I really don't know either. Because next week, it the, the, it the changes again from the White House. You can no longer say... That he never did business it, it, because he's putting on the phone. He's talking to his business partners, not once, not twice, 24 different times. Wow. So now the story has to change again. Got to change and again. once it changes again, the media is just going to be done. We're done with this whole moving the goalpost. I think even some of the liberal media. Come on. Well, because are they done because they say, look, this is getting too bad. We cannot yeah, go exactly. with this. We can't, he, we can't out, do it anymore. He's outused his yeah. usefulness. Yeah. You know that Kamala Harris is really looking good these days. <laughs> Eight, <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So sad to hear about the death of uh, Randy Meisner from... Uh, yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. Um, you know, it was... I had revisited his breakup with the Eagles recently. It kind of came up in um, in a documentary that uh, that uh, floated up to the top of my uh, interest on, on YouTube. And uh, that whole thing was kind of sad. You know, he was going through a, a hard time. I... Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, he was sick. Uh, he was going through a divorce. He wanted to just come off the road. And one night on the road in Knoxville, they wanted him to sing Take It to the Limit. That was his song. You know, I mean, that was, and it was a hit song at the moment. And he kind of refused. He said, I just don't feel like singing tonight. And he and Glenn Fry had it out on stage in part. And then not long after that, I, he was uh, out of the Eagles. Sad story. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. 
together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.